You ready for Freddy? That's a fucking bong hit. Here in the South, yeah, hey, you know that kids don't play. Put it down in the street, will I see another day to fly? Make it back this time, got the whole of this mind to think. God, that I made it alone. Here in the South, yeah, hey, you know that kids don't play. Put it down in the street, will I see another day to fly? Make it back this time, got the whole of this mind to think. God, that I made it alone. You are listening to Thanks for the Invite podcast with Freddie Correa. I've been catching myself recently with uh, the light, you know, like the flashlight on my cell phone on. Like I've been leaving it on by accident or I turn it on by accident. And, and it's always embarrassing because I feel like that's something like a drunk person does. Like <laughs> they... They're, they have their phone in their hand um, and they're talking with their hands. They don't realize that their light on their cell phone is on. Um, they probably turned on the light to look for their keys that they dropped because they're super drunk. Um, I used to say it was just chicks. I don't want to be a, a, a chauvin, chauvinist. Chauvinist. Here we go. Chauvinist. I don't want to be attacking just the females because I've seen several, several, plenty of guys doing that, including myself now. I used to always say, oh, it's, that's what drunk chicks do, you know? Like smoking cigarettes. Only, I, always, I always tell people um, I, only, I only have a smoke when I drink. Like I'm like a drunk chick. That's a joke. But, um, but it's true. And believe it or not, um, there's a lot of dudes that only smoke when they drink <laughs> if I was to have a cigarette during the day like if I'm sober I'm like this is fucking disgusting who the fuck does this why would you smoke a cigarette put this in your body but then I'm I'm, I'm drinking and I'm like oh hey let me have one of them puffs brother um, but I guess the reason I've been with my, my light on the cell phone is uh I, I programmed one of the buttons on the new Galaxy, uh, the 21, S21, and I hate Bixby. Whoever invented Bixby could suck a dick. Bixby is the worst, so that's the button for Bixby. It's like the Siri of Galaxy. It sucks, just like Siri. And, and I don't need a button. I don't need you to dictate uh, what the button's going to be. And, and then I accidentally... I'd rather have a light on than, than accidentally hit the button... And then Bixby be like, come again? What was that? I couldn't hear you. You know, like a chick's voice coming from my pocket. I'd rather look like a chick with the light on flashing out of the pocket. <laughs> when you see a dude with, with, with a bright pocket, you know they left their light on. <laughs> so I programmed the, the flashlight. This is what's cool about the Galaxy. I really like this part. Um, you could program... Uh, whatever you want for Bixby for that button and I, I put on the flashlight the only issue is that even if the the screen is off if you double tap it by accident if you get a boner it's gonna turn that light on you know so that, that kind of sucks right before I started recording I caught myself with that and I look around you know like when you trip and you look around to see if anybody saw you I, uh, I'm pretty excited about what's happening in Vegas right now. And now that I'm more adjusted, my day, my daily routines, I feel like I could participate now in more open mics and start getting up more. Like things are opening up. So I'm pretty excited what's happening in Vegas, man. Uh, more open mics, more shows are coming up. Of course, you've had the clubs opening up little by little. L.A. Comedy Club was the first one. Last one to close, I did the show with Willie uh, Farrell. And uh, that was the last show we did in 2020, I think March 15th. He was on the podcast, too. If you listen to that last episode where I'm driving to the club and the world is shutting down. L.A. Comedy Club in Las Vegas, we were the last ones. And... Um, I believe the first ones to open too last year in October 
And, oh, it happens to be that tonight I'm working with Willie uh, Farrow. He's back today. Let me see if I could uh, record with him at one point. He's been on the podcast twice. Very funny comic. His dad was in the mob. He's He has a special. You can find him online. It's spelled like, like Will Farrow, but Willie. It's Willie Farrow. Frato. It's Italian. Italiano. And, yeah, you can look him up and watch his comedy. He's hilarious. He, I think he was on Showtime. Showtime or HBO, but he has a special called The Godfathers of Comedy. It's a bunch of, like, mobster uh, comics, Italians, all dressed up. This is one of the guys that he dresses. You look at Willie, man. First time I met Willie Farrell, I was like, who is this pimp? Like, he was just dressed all to the T, man. Like, super nice suit. You know, like, if you've seen, you know, uh, Goodfellas, that's him right there. Just dressed up with a beautiful suit. No tie. Open collar. You know, um, top buttons. Top buttons. uh, Open collar. What the fuck? Yeah, well, the top buttons are undone. You know? And then he wears shades on stage, like... Like J-Lo shades, like Andrew Dice Clay, like those kind of like shades that they're not super dark. You can still see their eyes, but let you know that they're wearing shades. Yeah, man. He's a cool, cool dude, man. I, I We recorded outside of the comedy club when the world was shutting down. He ended up getting COVID. Um, he's doing great now. He has a beautiful family. Anyway, the first time I met Willie, I was at Planet Hollywood. And I talk on this podcast about bombing a lot. I ate shit this night. He was covering for Edwin San Juan. And I, I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's going to hate me. He's going to think I'm terrible. And man, he just, he was such a sweet guy. Super cool. He didn't even, like, address, like, I was super embarrassed. I even brought it up. And he just treated me like, like just like, like, like nothing happened. We're just having a good time. It's all good. You know, like, sometimes when somebody bombs, you feel like, well, I mean, if you're a comic uh, or if, if if you're friends of a comic and you've seen your friend bomb, you want to say something to make him feel better. Like, but it's then you're being disingenuous. Like, if you say, oh, good set, ah, you did good or it's like there's for you guys that don't do comedy, you don't you probably you might understand it in a different life situation, but it's a really horrible, horrible feeling. It feels like you just got, like, um, like, like you farted and nobody wants to be around you. And everybody knows you farted. <laughs> and it's not one of those funny farts. It's one of those farts like annoying farts. Like, come on, dude. Like, you just farted in an elevator and everybody knows you stink. So it's like, that's how you feel like as a comic. But, and because you know that, you also know that the comic that bombed, if you're not the one that bombed, you you know he feels that way so you don't want to be around him or you don't want to say like it's a really awkward awkward situation it's always awkward it's like like maybe like bad sex and right after you come you're like uh uh this is awkward you know like you know like something like that it's 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 just a horrible feeling well I, I made one of my personal goals last year. If you listen to the episode with Sammy Solorio, I said I was going to stop telling comics good set when they didn't have a good set. Just don't acknowledge it. Just don't be part of it. Don't lie to them. Why would you lie to them? You know, so if it wasn't a good set, don't even say anything. Don't be a liar. So that's how Willie was. Willie didn't try to console me or anything he just acted he just kept the con he changed the conversation like i try to address it and he just like whatever it happens and and then just continue talking whatever and i was like wow man and he's never treated me any differently i'm always going to remember that you know um it's those moments it's and it's true what they say uh, you don't really remember the great moments in comedy as much as you do the bombs the lowest it's just like the lowest in your life. Like the lows where you learn your lesson and you move on. Those are the ones you really remember and treasure. Even though it feels terrible. It feels horrible. But that's that's one of my memories of Willie. And, uh, and you know what? I, I'm going to ask him. We tried to record last time he was here. He's been here once since uh, the club opened back up. 
and um, gonna see if I could get him to come out either to the house and record or maybe we could record um, outside the club that'd be nice just record a little bit outside the club like we did last time just pull out the cell phone and do a little interview yeah how did I start talking about Willie what was I gonna talk about oh we just moved the piano we have a 88 key beautiful white piano uh, Yamaha one of those pianos that have the heavy keys but it's digital so it feels like you're playing the real thing almost and the sound is amazing so you're able to connect the microphone into it and we've had it in Lizzie's uh, beauty room for the longest time which is great but you know I, I would go in there every once in a while and play but it's it's her zone it's her room so like I mean, n nothing would stop me from going in there, but man, just having it in the living room, is different. It's just different. As soon as I walk in the door, it just, I don't know, it just kind of brings joy to my heart. You know, like, it, it's this, or I'll be watching TV and I just look over and I'm like, oh, that's so nice. Just having the piano in the living room. Well, the reason I'm talking about it is because, so I've been playing it more. And I think it's been helping me. It just, it does something. I listened to this video about, you know how we all talk about seizing the day, starting the day right, you know, write down your goals, and but we forget about, you know, we do everything in the morning, the morning routines, but then we forget about the evening. What sh what should you do in the evening to help your mind, to help your soul, you know, to relax? What are things you could do? You know, for some of you, it could be art. It could be recording a podcast. Um, something you could do to like to take care of you. You know, like a podcast could be kind of like a, a therapy. Even though you're just talking into a microphone, if you're doing a, a podcast by yourself, it could be like therapy. Or if you're doing it with someone else and, you know, record the podcast. Because, man, the, the main reason I say this is because a lot of times... I don't check I don't check social media in the mornings. I try not to. I do from time to time, but for the most part, I don't. Um, and the thing that we do sometimes right before we go to bed is like we're on our phones with a blue face, you know, like because the light from the phone is just shining on your face. You could be pitch black, and then and then I would wonder why am I not falling asleep? Why am I not falling asleep? It's because. There's something about that blue light coming from the cell phone or a computer screen that um, it could really fuck with your with your brain. You know, it's going through your eyeballs and it's processing your brain and it's telling your brain, hey, we're still awake, we're still awake, we're still awake. That's why a lot of people can't sleep at night, including myself. I already have problems sleeping. So, you know, doing this whole rant about what can you do for yourself is really for me and if it could be applied for you then that's great that's the main purpose right for you to listen and one is to entertain you while you drive or do whatever it is that you do and and then if it could help you in some way that'd be cool right so anyway i just been sitting there and just playing just riffing sometimes i um I just do a little freestyle. I get on a key and I start doing some scales. And, you know, I, I, I learned how to play. I think I was about 15. I bought myself a Casio. Like, I really, I saved up money and bought me a Casio because I really wanted to learn and be part of the worship team at church. So, I self-taught myself. I, I bought myself books. Um, my brother-in-law, David, uh, he, he would play the bass at a church and... I would borrow his books, his um, hymns, hymn books that had the chords on it. And, I, you know, I would learn how to do the chords. And then I'd be like, okay, right here in this part, I got to switch to that part, to this chord. Now I got to switch to D, now C, you know, back to G. And I would play along. It's kind of the way I learned the drums. I just, I would play with shoeboxes. <laughs> and it's drumsticks. And I would just fuck around and, you know, self-taught. But, um... You know, I stopped playing for a long time, 
and I played from time to time here and there. Like I said, when 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 the when the piano was in a in a room where it's not really in the eyesight, I have to seek for it. I have to go for it and and go to it. But now having it in the living room, I'm like, fuck, this is dope. So, you know, I've been playing some music. I listen. I throw on some YouTube and play along, find the notes, and. I don't know, man. I really want to start doing some more with the music part in, in my life. Like, I, I'm like, man, I used to write music. I used to write worship songs. Shoot. I even, I know I'm not, I'm not religious anymore, but I'm like, there's some good worship songs in here. People could use these. <laughs> well, they're all in Spanish, but um, yeah, there's some good worship songs I, I could probably upload to YouTube and people want to take them. I don't know. Maybe they can, and if if they want to give me some money, that'd be nice. Um, but no, just to use them, you know. I'll start playing some worship songs sometimes. Get down. Here I am to worship. Hell yeah. Um, you know, I can imagine my buddy Randy. Shout out to Randy. Um, he plays a guitar. And uh, I believe the bass too, or is it the bass? We're we're rocking out one time. I think it's the bass, right, Randy? Anyway, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know it's either one or both. But we're jamming out one time. That's what I want to do. I want to I want to link up with Randy, do a podcast. How about yeah? That's what I mean by music. I'm not talking about doing music on stage like with comedy. That's that's a awesome thing for whoever's doing it. It's not my taste for my own comedy but i'm talking about like let's do something different like as far as podcasting like maybe jam out and then while we're jamming out in between just like we're hanging out talk and then go back to a song and be like all right play it on this note and and then make it we could probably make it funny on a podcast i here's the here's the reason i'm not a fan of myself doing it on stage I want to be a good stand-up comic without relying on anything but comedy and just being funny. I want to do the hardest kind of comedy. And if it includes playing the keyboard on stage one day and being a very, very original comic that does music on stage, then that's what I'll probably go to. But it has to be very, very original because I'd rather suck than not be original you know like and you could accuse me of like oh well this thing that you do it's not that original it's kind of hacky whatever you're you're always going to be able to find flaws on people but just so you know what i mean by that is i i don't want to be that comic that relies on race you know like stereotypical uh you know latinos do this and latinos do that i don't want to be that guy relying on that um, went to the open mic recently and the comic was killing he was killing it on stage but all he was using was typical stereotypical Latino comedy that it's been done before I, I love Paul Rodriguez, George Lopez they all did it the right way at the right time now it's time to move on from it um, you know if you could do comedy that doesn't have to rely on I mean, you're, you got to talk about your life. I'm going to bring up situations of my Latino world that I come from, uh, you know, Cuban side, the Jewish side. But but I don't want to rely on that. That's why the, the comedy I've chosen to do in the latter years is that I've tried my best to be more about, like, my life. Uh, being a cable guy. Getting roofied at the club, you know. I'm sure that people's been roofied at the club, but like the story is very original in its own way, you know. So that's why I haven't really, like, I, I can't, I, I, I could easily pick up a guitar and, and a piano and, and do um, what do you call them parodies, but that's not my choice. However, there's some people that are doing really cool parodies in a very original way. I'll give you an example uh, Tino Tino Sanchez He's been doing these really cool songs And a lot of them are original songs And he's coming at it from um, 
more of a right wing making fun of the left which is fucking hilarious um and and i have guitar comics that i love that do parodies but like i say it's not for me so i i've had people tell me hey man um you should play the piano you should do something with that and and i appreciate it but at the same time as much as it's a compliment i feel deep inside to me i'm like damn that means my comedy is not good enough that they think that i need to you know even though they don't they don't mean it that way i know they don't mean it that way but in my head i'm like i need to fucking challenge myself i need to step it up you know some of the biggest um influences for me if if i was to bring up latinos um that do comedy is um somebody like greg giraldo greg giraldo to me was well used to do comedy passed away when i think 2010 it was when i when i listened to greg giraldo his comedy look him up and listen to greg giraldo just look up some clips one of the most original just ranting hilarious comics very respected in, in the comedy world not just the new york scene and then not you know maybe once he mentioned something about colombian being colombian but it, the joke was not about being colombian and i was like whoa this guy's latino no fucking way i was like this is awesome like to me that was i was like whoa i want to do that i just don't want to overdose one day but i want to be like him you know my influence was like paul rodriguez uh freddie prince but i can't i can't follow that that road because back in the day that's what you would do you would talk about your race it was the elephant in the room you know like i think we could do better than that in my own opinion so that's why i've chosen like uh you know what if i do comedy one day i want my stand-up to be better than like i, I you know I, I don't want i i don't want to rely on that as a crutch so i guess this is good i'm talking about this because this this is motivating me to really step it up Willie Barsetta told me, you already know how to write. No, no, he said, you already know. He told me this like five, six months ago. He's like, hey, bro, you gave me some good advice. He's like, you, you've been doing a lot better now. I've been seeing you. You've grown. You already know how to hold the mic. You know how to perform. Like, you already know how to do this. Now, it's time to write. So I've been doing that. I've been writing more about my life, my personal stories, you know. And here's the cool thing about writing the personal. I talked about this on the last episode, top, topical jokes. Topical jokes. Other people could come up with topical jokes because it's something in the, in the news at the moment, current events, you know? But when you start writing something more personal, more about your life, then it's going to be harder for somebody to steal that joke or somebody to come up with the same joke. For example... Uh, I've talked about it on, uh, was it two episodes ago, three episodes, uh, the episode of my first three way with Ian Burford, my wife and Elisa from bombastic heart, uh, bombastic Elisa harder from bombastic podcast and Lizzie Correa, my wife from antisocial butterfly. We did, a um, swap cast, my first three way, two, three episodes ago. I, I talked about a story how I, you know, when I was a kid, I was 12 years old. I didn't know how to masturbate. I didn't know what it was. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I told a full story. I'll just tell it right now. When I was, hold on a second. Let me pause this. Okay. And we're back. <laughs> so when I was 12, I uh, was about to turn 13, 1995. Um, huh. I don't want to say it in a... I've been writing about this story already, so I need to stick to the non-funny. I don't want to write it. I don't want to say it like if I'm doing a bit. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to tell you, the listener, the story I've been trying to do on stage. So... I'm going to 
you know, it's hard when you mix the two worlds, but um, it's better to do it the non-fun way, because then you can find, find the funny parts. Um, that's another advice Willie Barcena told me. Um, when you write, first write it out without being funny. And uh, I might do a, re- a writing session with him soon. We've been talking about it. So and there's so much knowledge you can learn from that person, man. Um, so, all right. You write it non-funny, and then you come up with the funny stuff later. So when I was 12, I remember one day waking up. And it was, it was around, I think I had just finished seventh grade yeah i had just finished seventh grade summer break was approaching and i was going to go into the eighth grade and i remember waking up one day and and walking to the restroom in the morning uh of course uh and uh, when i would take a step i would feel this fucking sharp pain going up to my stomach down my legs coming from my crotch area uh at the time, I had no idea what it was, but it, it got to the point where, you know, I'm all, I'm all trying to piss, and I'm like, ah, and, you know, uh, I, I touched one of my, my, my testicles, sorry to get graphic, guys, but I touched one of the balls, like, I barely, like, grazed it with a pinky or something, and, and I almost felt like crying, you know, it hurt so much, it hurt terribly. I had never felt this kind of pain. It felt worse than getting kicked in the balls, okay? So I tell my mom, I I call her at work. Uh, My mom and I had a trick when I used to call her at work. Um, She was a change person, you know, one of the people with a little cart that would give people change back in the day to to play the slot machine. So she would walk around with a cart, pushing a cart, and people would come up to her with cash and she would give him quarters, nickels, depending on what kind of slot machine. And she used to work at Circus Circus in Reno when we lived up in Reno. And it was a section called the Sky Tower. So it was a little casino area on the separate tower, separate from the big casino. So we had a little trick where I would call her. Um, I had this number memorized. It was a payphone. I would call her um, and hang up. And then if she heard it ring, if she was nearby, because the area wasn't that big, if she heard it, she would then throw a quarter in the in the in the cell in the phone, the pay phone, call me, I would let it ring once, and she would hang up. It was and then that would give me a sign that okay, she she knows I'm trying to reach her. So then I would call her again on the payphone, then she would pick up. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like you know, ghetto mentality, man. So you don't fucking spend money. Um, that was our trick. <laughs> or sometimes she would call me, hang up, and then I, I already knew it was like a page, and I would call her back. You know. Um, so that was a little trick my mom and I had. <laughs> so I called her, and I was like freaked out. I thought I had like ball cancer. I don't know what it was. Like I told her, and it was embarrassing, but I told her that. Uh, you know, my bolas are hurting, you know, uh, it's hurting a lot and I don't know what it is. I can't move. I made my way to the living room downstairs and eventually we had to go to, um, urgent care. She had to come home, take me to urgent care because I was in excruciating pain. We had to take the bus, you know, we had to go downtown, take the bus. We had to transfer buses to get to the other bus we had uh, took bus number five that would go to sutro street and then switch to bus 10 or or one because both buses would take you to the urgent care we would go to so we go to the urgent care and they see me and the doctor um tells my mom like they gave me they're gonna give me some pain medication but uh, you know i was only 12 so it had to be something very low dosage but it was, um, turns out I had blue balls. <laughs> so this, this is why I'm telling you the non-funny version. Uh, so it's, it's more worthy, wordy, you know. Of course, on stage, I got to figure out how to cut the fat. But so I had blue balls. 
Um, he said I had epididymal hypertension is the medical term for blue balls. Um, it's when your balls are pretty much like trying to eject the poison. <laughs> <laughs> you're full of cum <laughs> or something I don't know um, and um, you would think it's cum but it's, I don't think it's just that it just means that you need to ejaculate um, so he told me all this shit in front of my mom and he mentioned that uh, have I had sexual education um, and he didn't want to go into too much details because it was so embarrassing man just listening to this in front of my mom, he was pretty much telling me I needed to masturbate, you know? And if I was going to have sex, I needed to, you know, practice safe sex. And, you know, I, I went through, they called it share. I think it was called share. Sexual, it was sexual education. I don't know exactly what the whole acronym was for share, but um, some kids would opt out. Well, the parents would opt out because of religious reasons. And, um, I remember taking it in fifth grade or sixth grade. My mom let me take it. But, you know, you're a kid. They're saying all these things. They separate the boys from the girls. They would talk to us about what's going to happen to our bodies. Out, bro, I was not paying attention. I was joking with my friends whenever they said penis or testicles. We would laugh, you know. I wasn't really paying attention. And I do kind of remember them mentioning that at one point there was this thing we, we would do we would grow into and it was called masturbation however they don't tell you uh oh you have to masturbate you know with your hand or to relieve this urge that you have or whatever so not at least not in my memory not that i can remember so he he, he tells us this i get the medication i feel a little better but i'm still in pain my dad ends up calling me my mom told my dad to call me because she's like you need to talk to your son he needs your advice and this is something in your department my dad was living in El Paso my mom and dad had separated in 1992 so at this point it was three years without my dad growing up with a single mom only child pretty much because all my siblings were grown up married they had taken care of their sexual issues, so they had to move out, got pregnant, you know, shit like that. So, I didn't know anything, man. I didn't know shit. So, <laughs> my dad was trying to talk to me, and it was the, it's got to be one of the most awkward, very, very, like, those kind of moments where you want to just disappear, just become invisible, because it's like... I don't want to be here. 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 No, 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 no. I at one point my dad's talking on the phone. I put the uh, I put the phone down. I just I was just letting him talk. I I couldn't listen to the shit he was telling me about masturbating. He was telling me I need to use some cream, use my hand, and I'm like, I don't want to have this conversation, bro. He was asking me if I had a girlfriend. And he told me to find a girlfriend. I'm like, so you just want me to deposit my sperm somewhere? What the fuck? What kind of advice is that? You know? Um, so, anyway, that conversation was over with. But it was very embarrassing, man. My dad's trying to tell me over the phone how to how to masturbate. And uh, I guess a few days must have passed. My mom's at work and... And here I am with this urge, trying to like relieve this urge. And I remember the word masturbate, but I didn't know how. So my dad did mention if I had a girlfriend, you know, I could, you know, you know, uh, have sexual relations or whatever. But I didn't have a girlfriend. I was 12 years old, dude. I was 12. You want me to have sex at 12? That's how, that's how you do it in Cuba. That's why you have fucking 12 kids. My dad had 19 siblings. Can you believe that shit? 19 siblings. This is what happens when you don't have sexual education. You just start fucking around and everybody gets pregnant. That's why everybody at my church was pregnant very young. No one talks to their kids about sex, you know? So, I'm going around the house and I was trying to put my dick in things, man. I was, I was just trying to hump 
different objects. Um, I tried humping two pillows pressed together, and then I'm like, ah, this kind of hurts. So then I, uh, I found a Ziploc. I put baby oil because my dad had mentioned baby oil. He did mention the hand part, but I was trying to block it out, you know? I didn't know. I didn't know how to do it with the hand, what, with both hands, and you just fuck both, both of your palms. I didn't know. I didn't know what he meant by hand. I put the phone down. I didn't listen to that part. So I put the baby oil in a Ziploc bag, and then I'm like, all right, let's try these cushions again. So I started thrusting and trying to hump the cushions, and nothing. It was like, it was, there was no friction, nothing. Um, I remember I would, I would be on my stomach, and I would try to hump the mattress, you know, like, I, 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 this is embarrassing. I tried humping the wall one time. I just, I was just rubbing my fucking crotch on the wall, just fucking, <laughs> just squatting up and down against the wall. <laughs> uh, okay, so to get to the last part, my mom had this little uh, citrus juicer that it would poke a hole in the orange. It would carve a hole in the orange. And then you flip the orange over your cup and you would make juice out of it. You squeeze it, squeeze the juice out. And I remember seeing the hole and I'm like, I think my dick, I think my dick fits in that. So I took it upstairs. Again, my mom's at work and uh, I just started like, I'm like, oh shit, you know, I, I started humping the orange and I started fucking it, dude. I just start fucking the orange. Next thing you know, I start feeling like a few seconds into it. I don't know, a few minutes. I, I, I felt this amazing feeling, tremendous feeling. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I, and then it reminded me I had felt this before. I had experienced what they call wet dreams. That's where you have an orgasm in your dreams, but you don't realize what, what, what happens that's a, another medical thing that happens. Uh, look it up if you never heard of it. I'm sure you've heard of it. People talk about it, joke. People talk about blue balls and wet dreams jokingly, but this shit is real, man. So I remember uh, um, coming. I didn't know I was coming though, but I remember feeling it, and and I was like, holy shit. This is what I felt uh, immediately. Like after, I'm like, let's do it again. And dude, I, I just started going back at it. Orange after orange, summer of 1995. I was fucking oranges, bro. And then I would—I remember I was so embarrassed afterwards. You would feel that shameful feeling afterwards, and I would just like delete the evidence. <laughs> I mean, I would just rip up the orange and just fucking dis disperse it in the trash can, so my mom wouldn't find a bunch of oranges with holes in it, and. uh and that's what I ended up doing for a, most of the summer. Um, I was just fucking oranges, dude. And I could do the punchlines I do on stage, but I, I don't want to do that. You could watch that later on. But um, there's a lot of stuff I could write on there. But, <laughs> oh, man, I almost got caught by my mom one time, by the way. Fucking orange. I, I'll tell you more of that later. But, uh yeah man it was it was pretty shameful and, and i didn't know like i said i didn't know how to masturbate I, I i all i know is i never had blue balls after that epididymal hypertension go fuck yourself i was a free man and i had discovered like this little secret i had the secret of my own no one knew but me and the blue balls never came up maybe once my mom asked are you feeling better how have you been and and that was it that was it was a wrap brother it was a wrap never happened again i was healed my disease was healed i no longer suffered of blue balls and uh that's one of the stories like that's why I was telling you, like, to be more original. Um, unless somebody has another story of fucking oranges, then God bless you, man. Then we should be friends, probably. But um, 
yeah, if you if you watch that movie, a uh, girls trip with Tiffany Haddish, they mention a uh, grapefruit. Like uh, they're they're doing the one of the girls is teaching them how to give blowjobs with a grapefruit. They cut a hole in the grapefruit and then you blow the guy with the grapefruit around the the penis. To me, when I saw that, I told my wife, "Look, babe, they're talking about that's what I did." I mean, I didn't blow a dude with. <laughs> No, but like I was fucking an orange, you know, um, and uh, and then uh, the way I ended up getting away from the oranges was it wasn't until eighth grade, going back from summer break, you know, I, I had the secret, I had this like this twinkle in my eye, this the shine because I had discovered something that no one else knew about, you know, and. And uh, I remember kids talking about it was like everybody had like jerked off that summer because kids all of a sudden were talking about it or either they had talked about it before and I had not paid attention. But I'm sure. No, you know what? They they it was more. It was definitely more. The conversation was like, what you do this summer? You know, kids are talking about having sex now. It, it's like everything changed from seventh to eighth grade. You know, they would talk about, like, they would jerk off, like, like kids would make fun of each other. Ah, you jerk off. And kids would be like, I don't need to. I have sex. You know, like, I don't need to jerk off. So, so like, you would hear those kind of conversations. But in eighth grade, it's like everybody either had sex or had jerked off. Um, like, girls, some girls started, for reals. In eighth grade, guys, some girls would come up pregnant during the year and, I start seeing that as early as eighth grade in middle school. Of course, in high school, everybody got pregnant. But um, kids were talking more about it. And then I remember listening to some of the kids mention the whole masturbating. And, and they were doing it with, like, they were doing the symbol with their, like, their fist over their crotch. And, like, yeah, you be jerking off. And, like, no, I only jerk off once a day or once a week. They would, so some of them were admitting it. And, and I'm like, yeah, right. You, I bet you jerk off 10 times a day. And, you know, some of them are admitting it, but now they're making fun of each other for doing it more than others, right? So so then that's how I, like, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. They're doing it with their hand? You could do it with your hand? You don't have to fuck oranges? So you could just do it with your one hand. Like, I, I thought it was, like, two hands like I, I was like I, I had no idea like I, it blew my mind so what the fuck did I do as soon as I got home I fucking went for it and uh, that's when I kissed oranges goodbye man I uh, we haven't talked anymore <laughs> it's been a long time <laughs> um, that's a story I'm trying to develop on stage man so uh, in the future, uh, maybe I'll make a song, a funny song about fucking oranges. Um, I've seen comics too, by the way, I've seen some comics do stand up and then close with music. I've seen that, but I would like to be able to not have to rely on it or if like, because it's harder to open with the music than follow it with your stand up. But how cool would it be if I could start with music, with something musically, and then finish, like, my stand-up is way better than the music part, you know? Everybody loves music. That's why it's so easy, man. It's so fucking easy. It really is. I was in a comedy competition, um, like, six, seven years ago. And every time there was a guitar comic, I would... I used to... Um, talk shit of them about them, and now it's like it's different. I, I, I'm not like that. Now I'm talking shit about me doing it, but I respect their craft. But but here's the, the quick story I want to get into, and this is one of those stories where I'm more like boasting about bragging about myself. But I would always lose competitions whenever there was um, a guitar act. I'm like, oh, okay, he's gonna win it, and yeah, sure enough, guitar acts would always win the competitions. And um, finally, I got to do one, and I got to beat this guy that's really good. Uh, and he's, you know, 
he's very talented, amazing voice. And that, it was just a little competition. I got to beat him. And I was like, fuck yeah. That was like a little milestone, you know. So, in the future, if the context of the show is with music, maybe that'd be cool to do something like that, man. By the way, one of the people I mentioned, I forgot to mention him by name. Very funny dude. Um, and, and he's one of those guys that does uh, guitar in his act. But, like I said, he's very, very original. I've never seen anybody do something like this. Is uh, Amir. A miracle. He goes by a miracle. Um, he just came out with a comedy special. I shared it on my Facebook. And it's really cool, man. It's totally different. Totally different, man. It's it's like Craig Robinson, man. That's why Craig Robinson is a beast. Because his comedy is like, yeah, he has a keyboard on stage. But, man, this guy has a swagger. This guy's destroying it. I got to perform with him. Um, New Year's 2019 coming into 2020. He... You know, he Jack Jr. brought him from the Ha Ha Comedy Club, Jack Jr. Um, he was headlining, and then he brought Craig as a guest, and it was fucking amazing, man. I remember the the booker, the owner of the club, Matt, asked me, hey, man, can you bring your keyboard? I'm like, fuck yeah, and Craig Robinson, got he got to use my keyboard, and I got to be on stage with him, and he performed for like three hours, man. It was fucking amazing. So I guess what I'm trying to say... I'm just not ready yet. Not ready to do the musical thing on stage. Maybe one day. But for now, I'm enjoying playing music again. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'm gonna have me a little orange smoothie in a little bit. Hey, so wanted to add this last part. Uh, I recorded the first part of the pod, well, the episode. And then I went into an area where I had no signal for pretty much most of the day. Throughout the day, um, well, first I received a text from Lizzie and told me the sad news about Norm MacDonald passing away. Um, yeah, definitely going to talk more about it on a different episode. Just wanted to kind of touch bases on this outro. I don't usually do an outro. <clears throat> But I did forget to do some shout-outs as, as well. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I couldn't look it up to, you know, she sent me a screenshot. And obviously, you guys know the last, you know, I've always talked about the story when we met Norm MacDonald and just horrible news that um, he had been battling cancer for like 10 years or something and was always very, uh, you know, private about it which is, uh, I think, a, a great thing. But, um, yeah, man, rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. It's uh, very, very sad news. Somebody, one of my, one of the people I, that I can recall, like, and I think everybody could say this, uh, no one ever had anything bad to say about Norm MacDonald. Just always a great person, great comic, and... Uh, I'm just lucky that we got to meet him. We got to enjoy the movie The Joker with Norm MacDonald by accident. <clears throat> if you haven't heard the story, uh, a few episodes back, the Norman MacDonald story with Lizzie and myself uh, on our Utah trip. We talk about um, Mark Norman, how we got to see him perform, and then we talked about the Norman, uh, Norm, Norm MacDonald story. <laughs> so... Yeah, anyway, I got texts from uh, Grumpzilla, Ian, Sammy, people that knew that, uh, you know, I love Norm MacDonald, so thank you guys for your texts. It reminded me of when uh, Michael Jackson passed away, and everybody knew I was a fan of Michael Jackson, and I got, that one I got way more messages, but uh, I, I, I even went homesick. I, I, well, I told my boss I felt sick, but I, I was just so depressed when Michael Jackson died. Um, I almost did the same thing today, but, uh, yeah, I'm just processing it. Anyway, sorry, guys. Sorry to leave on a downer. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah, shout outs, everybody. I've <clears throat> been recording again lately, so thank you guys. Uh, uh, my buddy Randy. 
always um, being supportive. Randy B.R. by Comic out here. Listening to the podcast. Uh, Lisa. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention on the last episode. It was also Lisa's birthday. I forgot to mention that. But uh, Lisa, Dave Nunez, <clears throat> Edgar. All you guys. Thank you guys for always sharing the podcast, posting it. Uh, Chicano, Chicano, Chicano-ish. Sorry for stuttering. Uh, Chicano-ish podcast. I can't wait to hear the their most recent episode that's going to come up uh, with Dave Nunez. They said they had technical difficulties, but uh, hopefully it's it's available soon. Can't wait to hear it. Great podcast. Check it out. Chicano-ish. And uh, one of them, one of the hosts, the son, Buzz, drew this really cool art of uh, their episode. So I was, it was pretty dope. I loved it. So yeah, there you go, man. Enjoy uh, <clears throat> the rest of your week, the rest of your uh, day, work day, whenever you're listening to this. And, and I'm not going to lie. Right after I got done recording the first, you know, the, the main episode, I was, I wanted to talk about death, how I think about it every day in a good way, as far as like, we could die at any moment and it was going to be a little cheesy, but man, it just then to hear the story of Norm McDonald, it just, I was like, God, it's so crazy, man. Um. You know, we took a picture with Norm, and it's on my wall, right above my piano, to the right. It's like a, a, right above is a mirror and some other pictures, and then one of them is Norm McDonald, Lizzie, and myself. Um, to me, that was a very important picture, you know, to meet someone by accident, too, like that. It was crazy. Yeah, I don't want to retell the story, so listen to that episode. If you heard it before, I don't want to redo it. I'll do it again, probably, <laughs> on other episodes, but not right now. Anyway, thank you, guys. <laughs>